Hello and welcome to another special edition of Two Mr. P's in a podcast with me, Mr. P. And the other Mr. P. And we are back for another one of our Chinwag sessions and we are absolutely delighted to welcome broadcaster, journalist and author of Fall Off, Get Back On, Keep Going, Claire Balding. How are you doing, Claire? Hello. I'm very well. Thank you, Mr. P. Very nice to meet you and nice to meet you too, Mr. P. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think first question we always start with these interviews is just asking how lockdown's going. How is the, uh, the third, the trilogy How's it treating you? It's I've had enough now, haven't you? Yeah. You know, come on, we've done this. We've done this. Um, But I try, I have a couple of rules. One is I have to walk every day. And so I try obviously minimum 10,000 steps, but more often sort of closer to five miles, a bit more maybe. So I did all my walking this morning because we're speaking early evening and um, I've been busy most of the afternoon inside. So I get my walk in either... Obviously, if I've got a busy afternoon, I get my walk in in the morning, but mostly I walk in the afternoon because I quite like, I really like that time when the sun's just dropping in the sky. And if I can still be walking by sunset, I really, really enjoy that. So I have something to look forward to all day and then, yeah. and then I can come home and watch the chase. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> got to get that, got to get that viewing in. Is that I'll you go through that over pointless? Oh, yes, actually that over pointless. And I've been on pointless, but I've never been on the chase. Oh no! Oh, that's one for the yeah. yeah you'll have to get on how that did, one soon. Uh, how, how did you get on uh, in pointless? The first time I was on, we got to the final and we got a pointless answer. Oh, so nice. that's really exciting! Exactly. And then the second time hasn't been aired yet. Oh, All right. So you can't reveal. <laughs> I I have lost a lot of sleep since it so that's all i'm going to tell you <laughs> the fact that you prefer the fact that you prefer the chase now is making me think that it didn't go well <laughs> yeah 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 actually on that i'll tell you the most exciting thing i've done the last year i went on tipping point on the christmas special oh, and Adam's i love and the my, the machine i promise you mr p the machine is bigger and more impressive in real life than you could ever imagine it would be Oh, that, that's that has honestly made made my night. That that's made my life. Even the thought of it. <laughs> and the other thing that's interesting to know is when you're standing there and you're competing, you can't really see how close they are to the edge, and that's why I think some people make the wrong decision. Yeah, they go for you know drop zone four, and you're looking at it going, "Don't go there. They're hanging over the edge in three. You can't really see that because you're right. flat on." To it and so during the ad break I actually went across I said can I just go and have a closer look and I walked across the stage to go and look to yeah. see where I wanted to drop yeah that's the classic technique on the old 2p machines though isn't it but they used to put pictures up on the side so you're like oh no we couldn't see where where to look oh yeah. I love tipping point I, I love great. that lateral movement yeah I have to say. you'll have to apply to get on Adam yeah you should I, did, uh, the questions are not that you know some some quiz shows, I, I struggle with the questions. I mean, university challenge, <laughs> honestly, I, I can't even. I mean, I work in a school and I am I am baffled. But By point, the question, I know. Well, the trouble with university challenge, the question itself is so darn complicated and the say, only connect is really difficult. So with those two, if you're going to get two questions right in a whole programme, you're thrilled with yourself. Yeah. Whereas obviously tipping point, you're quite cross with yourself if you get one wrong. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it is harder when you're there. The pressure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, well, we're delighted to have you on. Um, it is, you are listening to the number one educational comedy podcast, now award winning. We just have to put that in as, as often as we can do. Uh, and we usually say it's the one educational podcast where you don't really learn anything. But I think that's going to be different today, having you on. Because um, we've been able to look through, have a little sneak peek at your new book, uh, Fall Off, Get Back On, Keep Going. And it looks absolutely brilliant. So I believe it's coming out, is it April? Am I right? Or- April the 15th, yeah. Oh, nice. That's quite close to my birthday, that. Um, is so it? It's, When's your birthday, Mr. P? Um, towards the end of April. I'm the 28th of April. 28th of April. So are you what, Libra, is that? No. Taurus. Oh, Taurus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just the way you reacted, though, made me worry. <laughs> no. And actually thinking about it, is Libra later in the summer? Is yeah, Libra. I'm September? Libra. I'm Libra. I knew one of you. I knew one of you was. 
<laughs> you you were you were nearly there. Oh yeah, when the way you said that to Lee, then I thought you were gonna go. What are you, Libra? You're not gonna be able. You're not gonna see the release of my book, unfortunately, Mister <laughs> P. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just hoping for not another another birthday in lockdown. I already had one last year, so yeah. hoping we'll be out by then. But um. So yeah, so the book looks uh, great. Uh, it looks amazing. It's sort of like a collection of sort of tips and helpful advice for for young people. But um, yeah, please tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, it's aimed at the, the age group, and you'll know all about this. The, the age group, when they're just switching to big school, actually, because I think we yeah. go through a bit of a transformation that maybe as adults we don't realise is so influential in our lives. When you go from being having no self-awareness at all and sort of being crazy brave because you don't really think about anything and you've got no you're not body conscious and you just make friends easily and everything's relatively relatively straightforward and then suddenly you go to big school and you don't know the teachers and you don't know the yeah. school layout and the uniform's different and there are the cool kids who've got funky hairstyles and sometimes they wear their own clothes and that really throws you into a spin and <laughs> I think it's a really it's a really difficult time in life. So it's aimed at that age group to say, look, I've been through that and I got it so wrong. Yeah. And this is how I got it wrong. But most importantly, this is how I recovered from that. And I wish I'd known these things when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to try and tell you these things so that you don't have to go through what I went through. <laughs> and yeah. You don't have to get yourself suspended for shoplifting because you're trying to keep in with the cool kids. Yeah, it is that um, it is that that difference. It's like going from the big big fish in the small pond to the little big little fish in the big pond. And it is because we're looking now. Like I've got um, nine year old triplets, and uh, yeah. Wow. So we're at the point now where we're considering the secondary schools. We're sort of looking at which secondary school they'll go to, which is quite tough when you can't actually go and visit because of the situation we're in. But yeah, it frightens me to death them going from primary to secondary because it is a completely yeah. different ball game, and it's just. I think when you yeah, exactly, and when you look back on it, it's the scariest thing you ever do in your life. And you don't want to say that to kids that yeah. you're about to go through the most terrifying experience of your life. <laughs> That's, but that's speaking as a woman who's never had children, and obviously you're two men, so you haven't had children either physically. Um, yeah. But it's which I imagine is quite scary for a woman. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I imagine. <laughs> but the, the school bit I can actually relate to. <laughs> Don't ask me to write a book on childbirth. Can't do it. But it's. But I do think it's it's huge, and there's so much about yourself that you kind of you don't have the armour. Yeah. That, that I wish one didn't need, but I think we do. And there are various tricks that I think are really good to learn. So, for example, you know, you will have talked to a lot of parents and fellow teachers about the selfie culture that we now live mm -hmm. in. And I don't mean that just literally of people taking, you know, let's go and see the Great Wall of China, but really this is a photo of me, or St Basil's Cathedral, but this is a photo of me, and look yeah, at yeah. me, look at me, look at me. I think also just the, the, you know, metaphorically speaking, everything is internalized. We're on selfie mode all the time. Yeah. And that can be really damaging because all you're doing is worrying about yourself and how you look in this situation and what will they think about me. Where actually if you can turn the camera outwards and if you can make it focus on the world outside or on your friends or on a situation and immerse yourself in that situation without worrying about how you look in it because you're not in the photo anymore you've put the camera outside i think there's so much to be gained from that yeah. and of appreciating beauty in mm. others and yeah, in yeah. the world have you seen have either of you seen the film soul have you seen yeah it yeah i love it oh love it we Isn't talked about it on a gorgeous. recent episode it's amazing i loved it but i felt i felt it was one of the films that I watched it with my kids, but it seemed to sort of go over there. So much of it went over the heads. Me and my wife were just this, like, I'm emotional. I get emotional at every Pixar film, but it is, it's a beautiful film. Have you watched it, Adam? I've not been able to watch it yet. Uh, I'm absolutely dying to watch it, I have to say. And, um, but no, I've just not had the opportunity. It's just too much tipping point. That's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, my that's problem. forgivable. That's forgivable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, but it's right what you say is... there. At that age, because the children, it, it, they are getting, like you say, 9, 10, 11. I'm starting to get it now where my children are 
you know, they've got friends who have their own phones and they're, they're, they're starting to experiment a bit with social media. And I, again, when I do a lot of my training in schools, I talk a lot about how even at primary, we need to really educate children around not necessarily specific apps, but behaviors towards technology and making sure we get that balance right. Because we, we're facing some serious issues around things like screen addiction and that idea of constantly feeling like you need to be validated by how many likes you have. So adding, because I always say now, I, I would, I'd hate to be a kid nowadays. I think it was a lot easier for my generation because we didn't have that sort of pressure of having to look perfect all the time. Um, so yeah, I think having something like this book that can, you know, give children a little bit of a heads up and a bit of guidance and a bit of help surely can only be a, a good thing, isn't it? And I've tried. I've tried very hard, and I hope. I hope I've achieved it. But you, you know, you guys will be the judge of that, and, and the kids reading it. I've tried very hard not to be didactic or patronising or say, "Thou shalt not have a mobile phone." Yeah, because it's not about that. It's I've tried to show the quality, the things that can go wrong, and the things that went wrong for me, and in a yeah. funny way, hopefully, but also how you can learn to fall for example you're going to fall you're going to fall off yeah. you're going to fail there are things that are going to go wrong how do you learn to roll with the fall and how do you learn to get back up again and how do you then look back on it in a way that can make you smile or laugh or and as long as you haven't you know broken bones but it's, <laughs> how do you cope and yeah. and keep going um so there's lots i hope there's lots in it that's l- with a like with a lightness of touch that's what you're aiming for obviously mm. um and with genuine you know authenticity of me having been in those situations yeah and being the odd fish and the odd one out and the you know i think there couldn't there couldn't be a better time for it either obviously with everything that's happened over the past year and uh you know children missing uh the friends and uh family and and, and that kind of year group because that's another thing when you go to that secondary school you're in that year group throughout the whole of school. Now you're suddenly in with different kids from different schools in different classes in different lessons. So, I mean, what a, what a time for it and, and, and well done. I'm sure that it will be greatly received and appreciated because it's just so needed at the time. But I was going to say, when you were talking about like our generation, I mean, I am younger. I'm sure you know that, Claire, by looking at our faces. I am younger by four years. <laughs> um, but looking back at like, you know, everything selfies and stuff, I'm thinking about... It was so much easier back in our day because it was like one bad picture on one of them throwaway cameras. You go to Max Spielman, get rid of the picture and the negative, boom. No one sees it ever. Ever, Ow. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And everything. You'll never get away with it. But there was still, you know, I remember the first time at school when everyone changed into their own clothes, you know, Mufti mm. Day. Yeah. And I hated that. Give me a uniform anytime or sports gear, even better. I really hated that. And I didn't know that flares had gone out of fashion. I didn't know that. And that was the only (laughs) pair I brought was a pair of cord flares and everyone else in drainpipe trousers. (laughs) I mean, I, you know, it was like the worst sin you could commit. Yeah. Yeah. And they're they're literally looking at me going, what are you wearing? Like Like when you see, I've killed somebody. Like when you see those videos where they trick a friend into coming to a night out in fancy dress, and everyone else is, is just dressed normally. They turn up as a Smurf or whatever it might be. (laughs) Or you go to a party and you don't realise that it's smart, and you can't really. Or the other way around. So I go to meet. Well, in the days when we were able to physically meet people. There was this t- quite recently, and Rio Ferdinand was. There's my name drop for the moment, by the way. So Rio Ferdinand's one of the hosts of it, and it's this techie get together thing. Yeah. And I dressed up for it. I thought, oh, I'd better go home and I'll put something smart on. I'll, you know, at least run a brush through my hair and put some makeup on. And I went in this really nice smart jacket. Turn up, and all the guys are in t-shirts and cardigans because <laughs> that's what the techie gang wear. Yeah, that's and what... trainers. And I was like, yeah. oh, I felt such an idiot. So I took the jacket off immediately. Yeah. Like under another button, yeah. Then, yeah, yeah. Try to <laughs> try to look cool. Um, yeah. So, what was it that sort of inspired you to write this sort of book? I went round a lot of schools when I was when I was writing fiction. So I've written children's fiction yeah. for quite a while, and I've written three books about a racehorse and you know, and, and the little girl who who tries to make him win the derby. And um, when I was visiting schools, obviously I asked the kids a lot of questions, and I think. It was talking to them about what they care about. 
but also talking to them. I'd talk to them about friendship and what it means to them and what do they mm. value in a best friend. And when they start talking about their best friends, you know, they say things like, you know, he or she, they make me laugh. They, they look after me when I'm feeling down. They comfort me. They listen. All these things. So I would then say to the kids, and you realize that's, those are the most important qualities. So you haven't told me what your best friend wears or their latest, you know, iPhone. That that's not what you value. What you value is how they behave and their yeah. and their, their their love of you. And I said, and that's what's important for you to become. That mm. aim to be what you value in your best friend. And it's interesting because they kind of go, "Oh yeah, got it. I understand yeah. this. I understand." Yeah. Um, and I talked to them a lot about animals as well, and you know what what. If they could have any animal, what would they have? Like somebody would say a polar bear or a unicorn. And then this one little boy said, I just want my dog back. Oh, oh my God, don't. I honestly nearly cried there and then. <laughs> Saying that, I've, I've, so got, I've got a dog. I've got a lockdown dog. I've uh, only had it a few months. And then we made the mistake of watching Marley and me the other day. And oh, I was, God, don't. And I was just in bits. I was crying my eyes out. I've watched it before. Don't, oh, I was in, oh, in bit. And don't ever read um, The Art of Racing in the Rain. Right. Enzo's the dog. In the, oh, don't ever read that or, or watch it because that, that'll break you. Oh, oh, a dog's, mind you, okay, our dog, unfortunately, I'm going to get, I'll try not to get weepy here, but our dog who had, we'd had, lived for 15 and a half years, Archie, yeah. was Tibetan Terrier. He had to be put down last summer. So in, you know, the middle of all of, lockdown and all of that and i then watched a dog's purpose have you seen that oh, yeah i've, seen I've not yeah. seen that oh, no don't. no right well essentially it's all about a dog dying and but but the main point of it is that it comes back again in another dog so now i'm looking at everybody else's dogs <laughs> waiting for archie to come and say hello to me in the body of a beagle or something yeah, yeah I, I could I mean, we we had a family dog, and it was our our dad was poorly when we were all at school, um, and then as kind of like to take all our minds off it, we got uh, bought like a Westie, and it was a great dog, wasn't it, Lee? Yeah, just yeah. the best, just the best dog ever. And I always remember when she was getting to her later years. It was when Marley and Me came out, so I'm sat there and I watched Marley and Me, and I, I don't really get upset at films. I do now that I'm a now that I'm a parent. I, I, I'm a terrible. I cried at Eddie the Eagle. That was the first film I cried at. Was Eddie the Eagle? Really? Yeah, yeah. I went to cinema when I found out my wife was pregnant. I went to the cinema to watch <laughs> to watch Eddie what, without her. Did you go without her? No, I went with I went with oh, okay. him and I watched Eddie the Eagle and the bit where he comes back from the Winter Olympics and the dad's got this jumper on, you know, where the dad's like against him the whole time and suddenly he's got the jumper on. I was gone, and it was the. I mean, I have seen every Bambi, Armageddon, all of these absolute heartbreakers. Armageddon. I watched. My, I watched, I watched Marley and me, and I remember taking Sally out for the longest walk ever. But I don't think it did her any good. That's my only worry. I took her out the longest walk, and at one point I stopped and just hugged her in the middle of this walk. I was an emotional wreck. This this like seventeen stone giant just hugging this tiny Westie in the middle of a park. Oh. Look seriously, uh, a little bit. But Westies are so lovely. Oh, I love a yeah. Westie. Yeah. No, it's completely changed my... What did you my... get, Lee? What, what uh, was your, what's your lockdown dog? I've got a little Cavapoo. So it's a Poodle oh, and King Charles Cavalier. And I was, I, I mean, I was fine with them as a, as a child, but since I've moved out, uh, I've, it flares up my allergies. So my mum and dad have had other dogs, and whenever I go around, I come out looking like, um, you know, Will Smith in Hitch, where he's <laughs> just puffed up eyes and all that sort of stuff. Um so I was against having one because I just didn't want it to set off my allergies. Um, and to be fair, she's been absolutely fine, but I can't imagine not having her now. I've, I've fully converted into a, yeah, full-on dog <laughs> enthusiast, yeah. And they're very but, sweet. Is she old enough yet that she's needed her first haircut? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're still open during lockdown. <laughs> I can't get yeah, my hair exactly. cut. <laughs> she no, can go and get no. right. Look at mine. Exactly. <laughs> look at mine. I, I might take myself to the dog groomer, actually. <laughs> yeah. Say, look, give me give me a schnauzer, please. Yeah, yeah. You need, to send, you need to send the picture to Heat and be like, yeah. get, my, get my name right this <laughs> yeah, time. Get my name right and give me another award for best hair. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so with the book, for someone reading it, so, you know, if I was to pass it on to market, what are you hoping young people will get at the end of it? What do you think, what you're hoping they'll sort of get out of the book? I think they will... I hope, get confidence and realise that there's a whole chapter actually on the cloak of confidence and realise that you can, it is something you can wear and learn. Um, there's a chapter called Courage is a Muscle about how you can practice mm. being courageous. And I don't mean, yeah. you know, throwing yourself into a burning building to rescue people. I mean in standing up for your mates. That takes yeah. a lot of courage. In saying, no, I don't agree in a situation where everyone else thinks one thing. Um, so I think it will help children realise that you will make mistakes, but mm-hmm. essentially how you can get over that and keep going is more important than making the mistake and and be stronger from it. And I think also being a good teammate, yeah. being a good friend, um, enjoying things more, enjoying the moment and, and getting more out of school, which... I think won't be an issue because I, as we've discussed, I think kids are desperate to get back to school and we're going oh, to really, yeah. really treasure it. And I think getting the most out, out of life, whatever happens yeah, uh, along the way, just getting the a, most out of it. It is a beautiful thing, yeah. isn't it? And I think the one positive that's come out of this whole pandemic is it gives, it's given a lot of people, myself included, just a, a completely different outlook on life and, you know, go, going forward, how, things probably won't ever go back to what they were, but that's not necessarily a bad thing if it's made you realise what really sort of matters and how sort of precious life is really. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. And obviously with your, your really successful... Oh, go on, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say as well, the, the simplicity of, of the simple things giving you so much pleasure. So whether it is your dog or yeah, going yeah. for a walk with your family, and I do think that's one thing that's really, you know, increased and in um, mm. um, become hugely popular because people want to go out for a walk it's actually sometimes the highlight of the day and being able to walk alongside each other gives you a chance i think to talk about things in a way yeah. that is much harder over a over a kitchen table when you're fighting for you know the potatoes and <laughs> your brother's kicking you under the table and you know you don't want that that they've been given and the mother's looking at you going well you've got to eat it and i don't want to anyway let me get out of my childhood. <laughs> what you're talking about, Matt? Um, We've been watching what happens at my dinner table there. <laughs> but I think walking alongside each other and looking at a view, and again, that thing of turning the camera outwards, I think that's really beautiful and powerful. And looking at your dog and thinking, well, you're loving this. Yeah. So I want to love this too. Mm. Um, I think those are all really important things that we've that we've come to value. I do think my dog's in for a shock, though, when we all go back to work. <laughs> she's only ever known us all being there all the time, so she's going to be lonely. She'll be on the bill like, what's relieved. happened? Going, Where's everyone gone? Like, oh, peace and quiet, she'll think. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say, with your really successful uh, background in sports broadcasting, um, you've sort of featured quite a lot of sport and sort of quotes and, and, and examples. I mean, how do you feel... Or how, what, what do you think? Because obviously with the situation we're finding ourselves in now, obviously there's a lot of, uh, I think they'll, they'll start reinvesting a lot more resources into school sport, especially. I mean, obviously the, the, the physical side of things, but what sort of things do you think sport can bring that can help children in other areas of life? I think it is absolutely crucial. And I, I am so glad you think that there will be increased investment. I have despaired um, at the lack of investment and lack mm-hmm. of respect for sport as part of the school curriculum. I think it is an essential subject. And I use that just as a way of kind of, you know, covering it all. But I've always wanted sport to be taught more. So, like, why can't you learn geography through sport? Why can't you learn economics through through sport? Why why can't you learn history through sporting events rather than war? You know, yeah. why, why is it that we value the academic interest in war over the academic interest in FIFA World Cups and knowing yeah. who won the first one? Yeah. Right, by the way, yeah. But, you know, and and you you know how it developed and what happened, and or the cricket World Cup that the women's World Cup happened before the men's, 
Um, yeah. And and what is the impact on a country when they host an Olympics, for example? How much does it cost? What's what are the what are the benefits? What can be the negatives? You know, actually studying the business of sport as well as yeah. understanding what it brings to your life. So there is a lot in this book about teamwork. What does it mean learning to pass the ball to somebody because it's the because it's the right thing to do for the match, not because yeah. you like that person. Mm. You know communication being absolutely essential anticipation being important patience is huge and there's a whole chapter on patience and actually lack of patience in players that you wouldn't have thought so the example of Roger Federer most people don't know that Roger Federer as a teenager was an absolute tearaway and would smash rackets yes oh he was a shocker and (laughs) and used to behave really badly really talented yeah yeah. had every shot in the book and couldn't sort of decide what style to play because he could play them all um and so but would get really angry and then he watched a video of himself winning a junior title and watched himself lose his temper and just thought that's really embarrassing Mm. why am I behaving like that and why am I expending all that energy being a brat yeah yeah. actually I don't need to do that yeah so I think realizing that even the most successful in his case most beautiful graceful (laughs) players even they have got real weaknesses that they've overcome i think that's important yeah. to understand no you're right and, and go on adam no, i was going to say i've had some of the you know personally uh, when i was at school some of my best memories were through sport through kind of that camaraderie that uh, teamwork and then being obviously working in a school my you know i love my job but and and it's been it's coming up to about a year since my last um, school sporting competition, and one of the last ones I ever went to, I, we had this um, child who who was who came from like um, uh, Africa, and, and he he didn't really speak much English, and but he, he had a love for football on the playground. So I kind of had a long chat with his dad, and finally got to the kind of can he come to this tournament? And you know, I had to give him all the kit, shin pads, boots, everything. And then he came and we got a penalty. I mean, I was referee uh, of the game and it was a penalty, I can assure you. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember, it, I, I didn't have anything to do with it, you know, and the kids were just kind of like, let let him take it, let him take it. So I was like, make the decision kind of to the captain. So he let this boy take it. And I'm even getting goosebumps thinking about it. The boy kicked it in. I mean, I have to say he missed kicked the penalty, but he sent the keeper <laughs> the wrong way. But who cares about that, eh? And and the scenes, I mean, the children on the bench were running on, parents were kind of up in arms. The referee was middle of the celebrations. Oh, <laughs> it didn't look great. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I, we speak on the podcast all the time and I miss, I, I completely agree, you know, sport as a youngster growing up, it's key in, in numerous aspects of, of, of how to make yourself just a better person and you know, respect levels, like you said, uh, kind of giving, receiving, everything just, it's just, it's one of the things that I miss the most at the moment is the fact that, you know, the children are without kind of even just playing on the weekends. Um, mm. So fingers crossed, like Lee said, that the funding can get put back in it and we can, you know, start again. So it's a good chance, isn't it, to kind of hit the reset button on a lot of things. And, you know, I really do hope that that's one of them because I, I couldn't agree more. Crucial. I think. I think also is is pretty fundamental in teaching kids how to deal with success and failure, yeah, and that yeah. you're going to have to cope with both. And how do you learn from things that go wrong? How do you plan ahead? And I'd love to see more inclusion of kids in in the team briefings, in the planning of nutrition and sleep and tactics for yeah. the kids that aren't necessarily going to get selected as players. Get them involved. I mean, there are so many long-term jobs in sport that are not reliant on being the star player yeah um, and I'd love to see kids being you, you know those because I think some people's biggest sort of scarring memories at school are not being picked for the team but yeah. what if you're then put in charge of tactics or or you, you know you're put in charge of transport and it's up to you to plan everything or the kit that yeah. you've got a really important role that you're going to be a key part of this success if we get it um yeah. And we'll celebrate together because we're all in the team. 
Yeah, absolutely. But it's like what you said, it's just lessons in life, isn't it? So when you were saying about, you know, passing to your teammate, not necessarily because it's uh, someone you like, it's just they're going to do better with the butt, you know, and, and that's what it's like in the biz in any industry you go into. There's so many lessons that you take from sport um, and you can apply to real life. And yeah, I mean, there's a big discussion at the minute around, obviously, the catch up with the whole school inside of things. Uh, and you know, there's been mentions of extending the school day, shortening the, the summer holidays. Now I don't necessarily agree that that's the best thing to do unless there was a heavy investment into extracurricular activities. So, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to extend the school day. So children do more math and English because they're doing enough of that. But if it was to try and get them more active, get them more involved, because this isn't just a, an issue I think that's come from Corona. I think there's been a steady decline mm -hmm. in the levels of school sport, especially going back to once we finished the Lund London Olympics and all the school sport partnership money was then, uh, you know, they got rid of it all. And I've noticed in our school that it's now just based more on if you've got a member of staff who's passionate, they'll go over and above to do as much as possible. But when teachers are so busy with so many other things and, they're ultimately judged on SATs and English and maths. They're, you know, unless they're really passionate about it, it's not going to be a priority. But I just think it benefits so many other areas of life, even if it's just English and maths. You know, this you talk there about tactics. So much of that has, you know, maths and awareness that way. So, yeah, it is, it is fundamental. It's important. I, you know, it's helped me with a lot of what I've done, you know, playing in, playing sport growing up and, um, yeah, fingers crossed we can start moving forward again and, and getting back to where we were. I, I mean, you know, I don't have any influence over government and I'm not I'm not a teacher, so I, I can't speak from direct experience, but I wrote a, a whole, um, in the last novel I wrote, which was called The Racehorse Who Learned to Dance, the whole last section is about a supermarket that provides sports facilities for kids because I've always had this idea that the bonus, the loyalty scheme you know the relationship between supermarkets and parents yeah. should be they should reward loyalty with sports facilities so they should yeah. provide um you know the supermarkets are doing extremely well and have continued and even better obviously through throughout the pandemic their relationship with parents is really crucial and yeah. i think kids they've got space they've got parking they've got money um, from the gas pump to the grocery store Inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much-needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, and get the plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash switch. That's mintmobile.com slash switch. Um, and the whole sort of healthy lifestyle message is, is, has got to come hand in hand, healthy eating and exercise together. Mm. And exercise obviously comes in lots of forms, doesn't have to be specific sport, but activity yeah. And I, I kind of think that I'd love to see some kind of, you know, supermarket support for schools, whether it's them sponsoring sports facilities with their name and, you know, their investment or actually using those when they're building new supermarkets and with all the space they, they require for parking, actually saying, right, and we're going to have a whole load of netball courts there and, and seven aside football pitches. And we yeah. are going to stage our own little mini leagues and, w and we'll provide that. Because um, I just think, who would you want to play for? I mean, who would be your go-to supermarket uh, to play for? <laughs> well, I would either be Waitrose <laughs> because because I write for Waitrose Weekend, uh, yeah. but, or Morrison's. Right, interesting. I, I might be a Sainsbury's. Feel quite a good. Team. I'd be captain, leader, legend of Asda FC all day. <laughs> I'd with play. bright bright green outfits. Exactly. I'd play, <laughs> score a hat trick, then go and get myself a lovely chicken bacon Caesar wrap <laughs> with some of that fresh chicken. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. 
No, I like yeah. it. I like it's a good idea. idea. Yeah, it'd be and, great. And it also be... means that when they're putting in the planning permission, I get really carried away on this idea because I really yeah. love it and I've thought about it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when they put the planning applications in for the new Morrisons or Sainsbury's, whatever supermarket, it should come with that's what local government should say, right? We'll let you build here, but you've got to build, you know, 20 pitches as well as your 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 store and okay. your um, car park. No, it's and a good idea. Out. Well, hopefully, I think, yeah, if any government ministers are listening to this, take note. That's the way to go forward. Um, oh, going on like previous it. episodes, they won't be, though. <laughs> no. All I keep thinking, though, is how quick the Aldi players would be. If it's anything like they are at the checkouts, they'll be running <laughs> down that wing quicker than anything. <laughs> <laughs> and there'd be a real fight for half-time snacks. It's you know, like... It, the home side are providing half-time snacks and just yeah. say, ooh, oh, great, we're playing at Marks and Spencer's next week. We get posh yeah. snacks. Yeah. When, you go, yeah. when you go to Aldi, like, oh, are we having some what's-its after? No, we're having yeah. cheese curls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, now, at the start of each chapter, you feature sort of quotes from successful people, Bill Gates, uh, Serena Williams is a quote in there from her as well. So what's been the most inspiring advice you've ever received? That's a really good question. Um, not that your other questions weren't good. They were good too. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I do like, I like the Michelle Obama. I, I mean, I love Michelle Obama. I mean, wouldn't mm. she, she'd be top of my dinner party list every time. Well, funnily and enough, I that's think... the next question. Oh, what? is it? Yeah, yeah we'll answer be... this one first. Okay, um, I'm just going to find, where's my Michelle Obama quote? Um, I'm going to try and worm myself in on that dinner party within the next couple of minutes. I'm warming it up. <laughs> yeah, do you want to bring some wine from Aldi? It's very good value. <laughs> bring some cheese curls and some wine for you there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, where is my where's my Michelle Obama quote? Uh, Serena Williams actually gets the first quote in the whole book, which is, I really think a champion is defined not by their wins, but how they can recover when they fall. Yeah, and I think that, that you know Muhammad Ali said something very similar, and it is, you know, it is basic life is about how you how you recover, how you reset yourself, how you pick yourself up, and that's, mm. you know, it's 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 offering that message in a different way. Yeah, um, it's not. I'm not pretending. I'm saying something that hasn't been said before. Yeah, I'm just hopefully saying it in a way that it will be taken on board and you know what it's like because you've got kids your kids don't listen to their parents and they don't often listen to their teacher either but somebody comes in that they've seen off the telly <laughs> they go yeah. oh did you hear what she said <laughs> that's what i hope anyway yeah um what's your favorite quote in the meantime adam what's well, your i was gonna miss- say if i was if i was with my daughter in blackpool at a 2p machine and i was going put it in slot four they wouldn't put it in slot four, but if Ben Shepherd was there saying put it in slot four, they would all go in slot four. Don't you worry about that. So I completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, okay, so Michelle Obama, the quote of hers I've used is just try new things. Don't be afraid. Step out of your comfort zones and soar. Pretty much everything Michelle Obama says, I'm yeah. happy to wear on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I used to have actually, I used to I used to keep quotes in the front of my diary. I still do have a paper diary as well as a Google calendar, but um, I used to always have quotes in the front of them. And, uh, and one of those was, um, life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. In the rain. Yeah, I've heard um, that one before. That's, yeah, that's I mean, it's sort of unattributed. And I didn't, I didn't put it in the book because I couldn't find where it originally came from. I yeah. don't think I put it in anyway. But that I used to think a lot. Um, yeah. And then I'd run out into the rain, literally into the rain. Yeah, I quite like the rain. So I walk still in the rain. <laughs> I don't mind the rain. I quite like it. Uh, the one that I, I like, the, rain. the one that I came across recently was uh, "Don't take criticism from people you wouldn't go to for advice." I like that one. Oh, that's very good. That's good. Oh, I'll remember that when I next get attacked on social media. Well, that's what it came. Yeah, when you get a bit yeah. of that, the old trolling on online, it's a good one too. Uh, I was some. Um, my go-to quote was the old, uh, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. 
Michael Jordan classic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's in he's in there. And that is absolutely, and no, an AP McCoy, great ju- jump jockey, exactly the same, knows how many times, how many races he's lost. Yeah. Well, the fact that he's the record, you know, record breaking winning jockey ever is, is, is jump jockey ever is, is one thing, but he, um, he knows exactly how many times he's been beaten mm. and that's all he'll ever say. But, you know, look at my strike rate, it was rubbish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but that's, you, you know, it's, it's, I do believe in celebrating things when they go right, but when things, but understanding that everyone, even the most successful, will, will have moments, lots of them, where it didn't go right. And yeah, and it's about learning from that. And I, I talk about that on a lot of my training, linked to social media, how no one ever talks about really no one ever talks about those flaws or those mistakes all you ever see on social media is the best part is that when they win and when they're being successful and i think we have this tendency to always compare ourselves to what we see on social media and not appreciate that behind the 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 posts will be those mistakes will be those flaws and and that sort of thing and and also to understand when you are getting attacked um it's it's because you've got noticed and I, I, you, you know ellen degeneres is a huge heroine of mine and she she said as she sort of became more successful bearing in mind she lost her show when she came out mm. and then re-established herself as a chat show host and she she said um the trouble the trouble with fame is the better the better the more people know you the more people will like you but also the more people will tell you they dislike you yeah, yeah. in words to that effect it was something along those lines and i thought okay that's that's good to know and understand and i have always taken the view that i never really believe the praise when things are going right i don't overblow it and therefore yeah. when they're going really wrong i can level out the criticism yeah um but i i i have this habit on social media if somebody starts to have a go at me um i will sometimes just just if i want to stop it and and move on i'll just write them a note back and say that's lovely to to have your feedback and i'm sure you think you're right (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know yeah yeah. and then want to put an emoji on it but just like do it really calmly yeah yeah yeah. and jog on <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the next question was who are the other people that sort of inspire you know, if you were to have a dinner dinner with three other people that really inspire you. So we've got Michelle Obama on the list who who would yeah. be the other two. <clears throat> I have <laughs> Oh sorry, obviously obviously the two Mr. P's are there serving cheese twirls and yeah. really good value wine. Um I like would, the best time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd have Phoebe Wallerbridge who I just think is inspired. I think she's so talented um, yeah. and clever and funny and just brave as well in, in the way she writes. I thought Fleabag was immensely brave. And Yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. I loved it. Yeah, I think she's great. And um, because, and then I'd think of somebody who could tie those two together really well. Um, so I might go for... Someone like um, Olivia Coleman, mm. who's just really, she's so lovely. Yeah. And she's worked with Phoebe, obviously. And yeah. Michelle Obama will know who she is because of the favourite and her winning an Oscar and would have loved that speech. And she's the queen. <laughs> and she's the queen. Exactly. Yeah. That's who that's I a well. That's a well-thought-out dinner party, that. Yeah, because I've tried to put them together, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. That's good. What about you, Adam? What would you go for? Well, obviously, Claire Baldin would 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 sit at the top of the table, serve the wine, exactly. Bring bring in me them cheese whirls. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have to go. um, I'd have to go. LeBron James. I'd have to have there. Um, I absolutely admire the man. I I adore him. Even though he 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 has a little stake in Liverpool, I'm willing to forgive it because I love him that much. Um, are we talking just inspiring people? Because I would have Jennifer Aniston there. I think <laughs> everyone who listens to them. <laughs> everyone how does, who to how does she inspire you? She inspires me. She inspires she something about them. Yeah. <laughs> she makes me grow. <laughs> okay. Um, huh. And then... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. And then uh, it's tough, you know. I'd probably I'd probably have to go. I'd go with Sir Alex Ferguson. I mean, I mean, what a conversation, Sir Alex Ferguson and LeBron James. I mean. You know, and me and Jennifer would be obviously having our own chat. <laughs> <laughs> we then do do it. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, I've, um, I know Fergie quite quite well, and yeah. he will occasionally ring me, and he rings, and I, it'll come up, you know, unknown number or whatever the lock, you know, he's got a protected number. So I know it's him because it's the only he's the only one that that happens. And it'll usually be after I've said something, either about women's football and how I think it should, requires more attention and better coverage and, you know, more investment and that. Yeah. Or it'll be after I've said something on equal pay. <laughs> he nearly <laughs> always will text me or ring me. And then, he ra- and then he texted me by mistake to ask me if a horse would win. And I... And I rang my brother to find out. I said, I think Fergie's meant to text you, me, but I better tell him. <laughs> yeah. so, so we had this back and forth. Is there anyone that you've ever met that you've been genuinely starstruck with? Is there any? Oh, yeah. I mean, they always say you should never meet your heroes, but. Yeah, I mean, I tell you who is, because of his physical size as well as his intensity, Boris Becker. Yeah. um, And and the slight fear that, you know, anything could happen if he just shakes (laughs) your hand, (laughs) 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 which would take some explaining. Um, But. He's got so he's got these really intense blue eyes, and of course he was winning Wimbledon when I was at school, and yeah. he was like he wasn't much older than us as mm. school kids, me. And I'm thinking, there's this kid that's you know winning Wimbledon, and he's amazing and throwing himself around. And now I'm working with him, yeah. And he's and he really looks at you, and he's that, so tall, intensely, yeah. Um, yeah, but he's lovely. He's absolutely lovely. And John McEnroe obviously is quite, you know. That's something. Yeah, he's good fun. Yeah. Intense. to be quite cool around him, though. Like, he'd hate it if you told him you thought he was wonderful. He'd find it yeah. really embarrassing. So you right. just have to kind of, hi, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, one thing we saw in the book is that you technically invented the MOBOT. Is that right? I did. And so how did, did that come about? Yeah. Well, on the League of Their Own with the brilliant James Corden and Mo Farah was on the show. And this is well before London 2012, probably a year ahead of London 2012. And Mo was just starting to be considered a medal possibility. I mean, not that he was going to win two gold medals, but, it, you know, it might happen. So we were talking about Usain Bolt and his lightning bolt, you know, and how cool yeah. that was. And maybe Mo should have a, a celebration. If, if he were to win, what would he do? And I just went, oh, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. He could do the M, the M from YMCA. And I was doing it on my head. And, and then I sort of, you know, like when you think, I'm going to suggest this, it'd be really, really good. And then you say it and you think, oh, God, I sound such an idiot. And everyone knows I'm an idiot. And why have I said that? And Mo's kind of looking at me and the audience aren't really going, yeah. And James, to his absolute credit, just said, that is a brilliant idea. And we yeah. can call it the MoBot. Nice. And he went, go on, Mo, do it. And Mo did it. And then off we go. He should have trademark it, trademarked right there and then. <laughs> that would have been it. I know. No, he came across yeah. really well on I'm a Celeb, didn't he, Mo? Oh, he's a lovely guy. He's yeah. a lovely guy. And he wasn't allowed to go off running or anything. Yeah. During it. No. He got rip- He got very weak. Hmm. I mean, would you say that was of all the, the the things you've reported on and and been involved in the twenty twenty twelve was the yeah. ultimate? Yeah, is there anything nothing, nothing will ever top that, and and I'm really happy to say that because I just think what an immense privilege to have been involved in it, and I think the just the feeling of positivity and joy and shared and the massive shared experience that it was. Yeah, yeah, I I, I don't. I, I just thought it was such a wonderful thing to be involved in. Mm. And to be right at the heart of it was so special. And I think that's what we've missed more than anything. And that's what we need to understand and value. That shared experience is huge for us as human beings. We really yeah. benefit from it. And whether that's going to festivals or going to the theatre or the cinema and talking about the same thing or going to sport, obviously, live sport, and, and being able to travel there together and watch it together and go home, you know, all talking about it on the tube or the bus or the train or singing the anthem together. You know, we love that. And you think about, you know, really all we talked 
all I talk to my mates about at the moment is to have you watched such and such so that we can talk about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, or weren't we dreadful, weren't England awful in the Six Nations? Yes, they were. <laughs> they were terrible. <laughs> they were awful. They were, were terrible, yeah. I've never, I've not watched a game like that for, I can't remember the last time where I just felt like, what's going on here? What, yeah, it was... I know. Need a bit of a... I know, I watch, the, I watch games like that and I just keep shouting at the telly, this is why rugby league was invented, because I love rugby league. <laughs> yeah. This is why it was invented, to stop horrors like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just I'm just thinking of time. Well, we normally talk on the podcast about obviously life in the classroom and and that sort of thing. Uh, what were you like at school then? I was. I got into a lot of trouble early on, and and I talk about that in the book. So I think it's important. Um, I got yeah got into trouble, and then I was quite quiet for a while after that, and yeah. then I I sort of discovered a love for English and I do you, you know that's why I wanted to be a writer and 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 broadcasting I suppose is an extension of that because it's all about communication it's about mm. storytelling it's about vocabulary and um you know descriptive language as well um is important in broadcasting I think um so yeah English became my thing and that's where I felt most comfortable and confident and felt I could really shine was there a particular awful. teacher or was it the content, the, the subject yeah. itself? Um, I had in, I, I think, I came just before, just before O-levels, a teacher came sort of straight from Oxford. Or, or she'd studied English at Oxford, so we were so impressed. Yeah. And so she wasn't that much older than us and she was called Miss Healy and she was brilliant. Yeah. Um, very hard to please, never impressed with anything, you know, <laughs> would stamp on you in a second if you were, being and you know being too cocky but clever and wanted to know your opinion and would ask you why made you think differently about things just got me reading poetry you know exploring things outside the curriculum so not just doing things because they were you were being told to do them but but saying look look at this I think you'll enjoy this I think you'll like it have a you know this is a poet called Emily Dickinson she's not on the syllabus but just have a look and see what you think um yeah, I really, I really loved that and valued it and kind of treating you as if you had an independent brain, which I, I'm not sure I did have at that stage. But you keep in touch with her now? Well, weirdly, so this is the weirdest coincidence. I will see her at some point this year, I think, because I'm the president of the RFL, which is the Rugby Football League, um, and the chief exec of the Rugby League is a chap called Ralph Rimmer. And when he asked me to take the role as president, he said, I know you're going, your immediate reaction will be to say no, which is exactly why I think you should say yes. I said, well, that's very counterintuitive. He said, oh, yeah, it's because I know, I, I know a little bit how your brain works because um, my sister-in-law is, is, was your teacher. Oh, wow. And I said, well, which one? And he said, Miss Healy. I said, that's not just my teacher. That was my favorite teacher. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yes, I'll be president of the RFL. <laughs> um, so I think at some point, because we've got the World Cup coming up in the autumn and hopefully it'll be, you, you know, obviously we were Fingers very crossed, much open. Yeah. crowds allowed and all of that so um i'm sure that miss healy will come to a match and at some stage i, I think her. for old time's sake you should whip on the flares see mrs healy just to bring back those good times <laughs> yeah they might be back in fashion by then you never know you never hey. know you never know the mullet's coming back in apparently Oh, well, that's only because no one can get a haircut. Well, yeah, <laughs> probably. Just shave the sides. Yeah. yeah. So if English was your favourite subject, what would you say was the one you just hated? You just didn't like maths. it? Maths. Maths. I got yeah. 13% in my common entrance maths. Wow. 13%. And what's that times 5,000? God knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really didn't like it and... I got a fear of it, actually, and I'm not sure I ever overcame that. And I actually did. I got a B in my O-level, so it wasn't awful, but um, I certainly didn't. I was happy to drop it and move away. And I wasn't very good at sciences either. I think I just talked myself out of it. I think I made myself believe that I couldn't do it. Mm. And therefore, of course, you can't if you tell yourself you can't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was the other way around at school. We were talking about this on the podcast the other day. I was... Uh, really good at maths at school not so good at English but when it comes to teaching now 
I prefer to teach English to maths. It's weird. Don't know what what I, mm. I think. I think it's more you can be a little bit more creative with teaching English, and I think that's my thing. I like yeah. to be creative with what I'm doing. Whereas some people that prefer maths because it's you know straightforward. It's matter of fact. There's not much lee, you know leeway either side. So yeah. The only reason the only reason I'm a massive fan of maths now is do you remember when you were at school and the teacher would say you need to know this you're not always going to have a calculator on you but we've always got a calculator on us it's on our phone exactly so, so listen throw anything at me i'll whip my phone out bash 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 done got it exactly exactly yeah it's a good job our pupils don't listen to this because that's what we have to say to them every day i like technology though and if we don't you know, I'm too old and, and therefore, you know, I li- as I said, I was the last lot to do O-levels and we didn't have computers in school. Yeah. Um, and even when I went to university, we were writing essays longhand. Uh, I think I must have typed, I'd certainly typed my thesis on, a, on an old, you know, word processor and you had to book your slots to use them. But I really enjoy technology and I'm quite good at it and I'm quite creative with it. Like, you know, like I, I love all my recording kit and I've got yeah. my little camera set up at home and I and I can get a sort of version of autocue working if I, if I need to. But, I mean, I just really enjoy all of that and I'd love to have studied that at school. Yeah, yeah. Is it? I mean, it's, it's a funny one. I love it and that's what I sort of do. So I work part-time in my school and I visit schools doing teacher training, basically trying to get teachers to embrace and utilise technology a little bit more because the potential to it, it's just unbelievable. But I think there's too many, I always say there's too many people who sort of make wrong choices with technology and sort of don't explore the creative possibilities with it. Because the fact, you know, if I was, the, probably the reason I didn't like English when I was younger because my handwriting was awful and that was the only way you could express your thoughts. Whereas now you've got the, you know, you've got an iPad there where you can create your own little films. You can do the, you know, presenting, you can do green screen by just getting some green backing paper. Now, if I had that as my, you know, end product with my, it would have made me so much more passionate about the writing. Whereas for me, it was always, oh, it's just going to go an exercise book. I'll get told that I'm not joining up my letters, you know, and, and it wasn't necessarily about the ideas. Whereas now you've got so many other creative outlets to share you know your thoughts your ideas and yeah I think it's amazing and that's actually that's what I say to kids who ask me about getting into broadcasting how do you do it how do you do it I said well you've got what I never had you've got the ability to self-broadcast and produce and edit your own content you can be really creative with this and you can share it with an audience and absolutely that's amazing that's an amazing power to have well it's like the podcast really I mean we've you know, you, you go back 15, 20 years, we'd only get this opportunity to reach this many people if we were, if it was a business, if it On was a radio a, show. Yeah, radio show, yeah. which would have never have happened. Yeah. Whereas now we've been able to build and, and sort of uh, get this platform where we reach so many fellow teachers, educators, parents, and anyone who wants to reminisce on what, what school's like. And it is, it's amazing. And Jennifer Aniston, obviously. Who's well, busy. yeah, that's, that's the dream. Hopefully it can cross the, cross the seas to LA. And Adam can, uh, yeah, have it heard by Jennifer. Does, who she, knows? does she live in LA? Adam, you must know. Where does she live? Uh, I can tell you the exact house number and road if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> the GPS tracker. <laughs> um, oh, no, I mean, like, you are right, though. I mean, you know, even though I think 20 years ago, Maybe not you, Lee, but I've definitely got the face to be on the radio. <laughs> kind of, uh, good job. But, um, you know, it's, it is amazing. And, and and I completely agree. I mean, even just kind of messing around with like iMovie and stuff and making them. Look yeah, good, love like, that. It's yeah. just it, it, it's easy as well. Like, so, I mean, I'm, you know, I do work in a school and I do sport and the PE and everything. And when it comes to that kind of like, like science, you say in that, I mean, I was bobbins at science and I don't mind admitting that. But, it's kind of like if that was there for me and if I was able to do it in different ways, like Lee was saying, it would have helped. So that's why, you know, I think it's good. Um, you know, things like what Lee does uh, with ICT is the fact of like getting teachers to use it more. And this lockdown has actually made a lot of people kind of turn to the to the tech side 
so you know, you're looking for them, looking for them positives out of all of this craziness, aren't we? Yeah, and definitely. And I think going back to what we were saying before about getting more children involved, when I used to uh, do the school football team before I went part time, that's every every week one of the children had to write a match report, and then they could blog it on the school website. And we had a couple of. Uh, examples where we actually filmed a couple of games and the children would add a bit of commentary over the top. And I just love the opportunity, you know, the opportunity for that to be more involved in the curriculum because there'd be some children who would absolutely fly with that. Not necessarily the ones who are best on the pitch, but they could describe it and they could excel. But going back to my point of selecting kids that aren't necessarily going to be the star player, that's another role, that they become yeah. the reporter. They set up the match. They tell you who you're playing. You know, they do the report to camera. They edit the highlights reel. They do the interviews with the players afterwards. Yeah. And, and they do a bit on the bus as everybody, you know, digests and, and um, discusses what happened. Mm. I, I think that's a really important role. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Because there are these, there's so many. Like every football team now has their own sort of social media. Not not the official, but this. I think the United ones, like Red Devils, and they just they set up uh, set up like Zooms where they watch the game together, and they're getting thousands upon thousands of likes and subscribers and and all that sort of stuff. It's a completely different world, isn't it? And the 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 potential to it is so exciting. It's just trying to ignite that passion in these young people that even if they might not necessarily be the the most talented yeah. sports people, they can still have a career, they can still have a love for sport and then, you know, make some of themselves in a different avenue. Yeah, it absolutely. Is. So I've got two more questions before we do wrap up. So um, the first one we ask all our guests, if you could change anything about our education system, what would it be? Well, I've discussed it. It would be yeah. it would be sport and it would be making sure that a really big, useful chunk of sport um, has has a protected allocation every day. Yeah. And that, as I say, sport is taught in a more academic way, as well as being a physical activity that you learn about sport, of, of the history of certain games, why they were invented, where, which countries. For example, do you know where chess was invented? Which country chess was invented in? I'll give you an A, B, or C. China, Russia, or India? Russia. I'm going to go India. India is correct. Because yes. you were thinking, why is India in the list, weren't you? You were thinking, but when was it invented and who by and who developed it? And take it right through to the Queen's Gambit and get them all yeah. watching that on Netflix and you know, bring it right up to date. But I think there are lots of really interesting things about sports that are not explored in a, in a, in a historic sense. But also the the you know, the healthy element, the nutrition and, yeah. you know, how many calories, should, what should we be eating? What's going to make you strong? How are muscles developed? How do you increase your flexibility or pliability? All those things that are, you know, if you were going to be a gymnast, how do you make it, you know, how do you learn to go on the bar, for example? Um, anyway, stuff like that. Yeah. I, I think that could be really interesting. So that's what I'd change. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on it, absolutely. And so the last question we always ask our guests, and in fact, we found out this is uh, a question one of our guests got asked, uh, one of the most important questions they ever got asked when they were going to therapy. Was that right, Adam? Yeah, yeah. So a very deep question. We just didn't realise how. Yeah, we had an author on last week and we asked him this question, which we've asked all the guests, which is, a great question. And uh, yeah, he said this This question changed my life. So we were like, you're welcome. And he's like, oh, no, not from you. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Sam Copeland. Which author was it? Sam Copeland. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the question is, if you could go back and speak to your 10-year-old self, what would you say? I'd say don't shoplift that stuff because you're going to get caught <laughs> and suspended. <laughs> and everyone will hate you no i'd say don't be so concerned about what other people think and don't bow to peer pressure don't do it just because everyone else is doing it that's what yeah. i'd say yeah don't bow to peer pressure that that's i think that's everyone should listen to that if i could go back i mean i i, I don't even know the answer what i would say to that it would probably be lay off the turkey Tizzlers. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it could easily be just, just, let it, down. just let, let it go 
<laughs> yeah, when the dinner ladies were like, we got some spares, don't be first sprinting. Um, but no, I think I think the peer pressure one is is absolutely crucial. I think there's so much stuff that happens now and, and people do need to kind of have the ability and the courage and, and, and hopefully through your book, which I know will help a lot of people uh, to kind of stand up for themselves and to go their own way and uh, not shoplift. Thank you so, so much uh, for joining us, Claire. We've absolutely loved that. It's been a great chat and I think uh, everyone listening will really, really enjoy it. So yeah, do go and check out Claire's book. Well, your other books that are already out and then the new one, Fall Off, Get Back On, Keep Going, uh, which will be out April that we said that April the... 15th. 15th, that's the one. Oh, well, thank you so, so much and uh, take care. Thank you, Mr P. Thank you, Mr P.